So this week we have Paul Kennedy um, uh, from our pivotal London office on. And Paula, tell us a little bit about your role and how you've kind of ended up being someone who you know gave a talk, say last year, on platform as a product because that's kind of the that's the topic, the thread we're going to be pulling on today. Um. As Domain said, so my name is Paula Kennedy, based out of London. I've been at Pivotal just over three years. My current role is looking after our Pivotal Cloud Foundry Solutions team in Europe. So we have around 20 people based across Europe who go out to help customers with how to, essentially how to run, install, scale, operate Pivotal Cloud Foundry. Um, I have a second job, which I just took over recently as well, which is looking after the education team in EMEA. And actually, the two roles fit very well together. So we have more classical education, which is how we enable customers at scale. And then we have the Pivotal Cloud Foundry Solutions, which is how we very closely work with customers' platform teams to really enable them to think about platform as a product. Okay. That's interesting to kind of... that the complementary nature of sort of the, the services and then the, the sort of at scale training. Um, so the, the big question for you is, and we sort of, we were talking about this before there, there's, there's a couple different questions sort of woven in together, but it's really about not so much what the platform as a product is, although I'm sure that'll come up more just the, the how you get there. Um, what does that look like? And just given that a lot of folks are, who are, end up being on that platform team, right? The platform engineers, the product manager, um, or product owner, like, and, you know, are those the same person? Do they have to be, or can there be someone else who's sort of functioning in that role? Um, but they didn't start that way. They usually started doing some other job. And so those people kind of have to go on a bit of a journey to become that and they might be designated it and called it before they're really kind of thinking it yet. You know, like you have a new job, congrats, new title, but like you're not really doing it for, I don't know, some number of months until you're like, okay, now I get it right now. I get what my new job is. So I just wanted to see if you could just given like you see, so this happened again and again and again. Um, What's the, is there kind of a pattern to sort of what that looks like and how, where folks are coming from? Um, and then ultimately like, you know, what, what along that path kind of helps folks be more successful, right? If they could learn anything from the stumbling blocks that other folks have gone through, what would that be uh, to go, to go down this path? Okay. So I guess to start off with, I'd say, our customers are all coming from different starting points. In fact, when when my team first engaged with a customer, typically at the at the point of in the customer's journey, they have selected Pivotal Cloud Foundry as their platform of choice. They understand that our Pivotal mission is we want to transform how the world builds software. So the customer will have some inkling of the fact that changes are coming, but may not fully understand the level of change that we're looking to drive into customers. So 
when the Pivotal Cloud Foundry Solutions team first engages, we have a very idealized view of what a platform team should look like and what a product owner should look like. But quite often, the customers are, as you mentioned, they may not be right at that place. They may not have the people lined up. They may not fully understand what work is involved, what change of culture is involved, what change of mindset is involved. Mm -hmm. So it really is a journey when we start. What we talk about with our customers is having a dedicated platform team that is balanced and that has a platform owner. And so all of those things have very specific meanings. When we talk about having a dedicated platform team, what we see with our most successful customers is they have a small number of platform engineers. A, a platform team only needs to be, say, two, three, four people. It can be quite small mm -hmm. and can support many multiple application developers. So we talk about kind of a, a one platform operator to a 500 application developer. I mean, that's kind of a number that gets thrown around sometimes in Pivotal. But really, the platform team can be quite small. But that platform team is most highly effective when it's focused on running the platform. Mm -hmm. So that can be a quite a hard ask, even for customers at the beginning. They may have people that are lined up to be the platform team, but they've got a hundred other things that they have to run as well. Mm. And so um, maybe they only have people that are available part-time. Or another pattern that we've seen quite often is customers might outsource their data center, might outsource other parts of their infrastructure and might choose to outsource their platform team which in itself then can be challenging because you're trying to ask a, a big outsource company to change how they think about running this one small piece of software as part of a larger thing that they run on behalf of the customer. And that's more challenging. So like I say, we typically look for a small dedicated team and we look for that team to be balanced. And what we mean by that is that it's got people in the team who've got infrastructure knowledge as well as people who are more used to applying software engineering practices to the platform mm -hmm. and in addition to that we also look for a product manager into the team which is slightly different from kind of product owner or platform owner as we were talking about before so for for pivotal a product manager again is very specific skill set but it's that person on the team who is unblocking the team, making sure that they can make progress, that is running a backlog, that is prioritizing the backlog, that is really driving the platform as a product mentality home within that platform team, which might be slightly separate from a platform owner or kind of platform champion who might have more kind of political power is able to reach out more broadly in the organization, is able to unblock the team at a higher level and might have ownership of multiple different things, but is also that um, kind of overseer of, of a wider program, maybe not just the PCF, but maybe other parts of the business as well. Mm. Okay. That's really helpful because, you know, I think some folks think about the product manager as the product owner um but and they also i you know if someone were to ask me to define just product management um prioritization would be like the first thing that i think of like prioritizing you know the roadmap which is sort of 
effectively what the backlog is. But I really liked how you described, like the first thing that you said was the person who's unblocking the team. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that sort of speaks to, you know, either that's just more what product managers are in general or on these platform teams, what you can expect is that that is a big part of your job is, is kind of performing that unblocking. And that's related to this product owner is sort of blocking it, un- unblocking maybe at a different level, right? At like more of a political level and, you know, resources level and whatnot, not, not so much at the technical level. Is that a fair kind of, you know, recap of that distinction that you just made? Yeah, I think it's also about allocation of time. So a product manager who's part of the platform team, it's also that person's full-time job working on that platform with the team all day, every day. So they're unblocking, like you suggested, at a kind of a more tactical level. They're also prioritizing the backlog. They're also in the stand-up, in the retrospectives, in the planning meetings. They're, they're all day, every day, part of the platform team. Whereas the platform owner or platform champion, as I say, might have a broader range of things that they are looking after and might only check in with the platform team on a, on a, on a less frequent schedule. Mm-hmm. But it's still that that person that the platform uh, team can go to to unblock them at a at a more senior level. Okay. Okay. So, and you mentioned that some of the some of the challenges that folks run into when they're kind of starting down this journey is, you know, say not not having dedicated folks or not having folks, um, you know, internal to the the company itself if they're part of kind of an outsourced arrangement. Um, what else in terms of, you know, let's, let's imagine that those don't exist and you, you actually have a dedicated team. It's the, the two to four people that you mentioned, plus the, the product manager. And, you know, now what happens? You know, does, does that necessarily mean that they're kind of like, up and running right away and sort of operating in that or but or what steps do they have to make at that point so i would always say they should call in the pivotal cloud foundry solutions team because that's what my team is um but our starting point honestly for for treating the platform as a product is i guess it's it sounds very straightforward but it's it's really having a product mindset and the starting point is understanding your users and building the thing that your users need. So the very first thing that we try to do when we come and engage with a customer is to understand what's the first workload that you want to put onto the platform. Because if we can understand what the first application or the first 50 applications, I mean, it's a question of kind of start small and then iterate is what we try to focus on. But as as a platform team, Treating the platform as a product, it's about putting the user right at the center of everything that that platform team does. And then you need to understand exactly what the requirements are from the users. And in this case, the users would be the application developers. So you need to understand what the requirements are. Then you need to build the smallest thing. We talk about MVP being minimum viable platform Mm -hmm. in this case. So you need to build the smallest thing to then give access to your application developers so they can use it 
then they can provide you feedback and then you can iterate. So in Pivotal, we talk a lot about user-centered design. We talk about lean and agile methodologies to be able to build the smallest thing, get fast feedback and iterate. And when it comes to the platform, we are saying exactly the same things. So we take all of our lab, labs methodology that we've built up over the last 30 years, say, and we're trying to take all of those practices into the platform because the end result that we're aiming for is to build the platform that the application developers want to use. It meets their needs. It gives them a wonderful developer experience and they are then excited to put their applications onto the platform. So the starting point for the platform team has to be almost a change of mindset. The, the platform team has to understand that they are there to serve the needs of the application developers instead of what we've seen more traditionally, let's say, of building what the platform team or the infrastructure team might think people need and then finding lots of other people don't put their applications or workloads on there because it just doesn't do exactly what people need it to do. So the whole kind of build it and they will come model doesn't really work. We're trying to do the opposite way around. I, I know when labs is working on a new application, they have those initial conversations with users to just determine what can we build that's going to be an MVP. Is it similar with the platform team gets some kind of feedback? I mean, how do they even make that decision about what the MVP is going to look like? They should definitely talk to the developers. I mean, it feels, it's very funny when we've, we've been to customers and we've spoken to platform teams and as Domain mentioned earlier, sometimes the customers are pulling in different people into their platform team. But traditionally, we've seen lots of uh, infrastructure folks coming in, let's say. And then we might start off and say, well, let's go talk to some application developers, which endangers like, like horror in these people's eyes. Of, like, they actually have to go and talk to the application developers, um, which somehow seems terrifying. But it's, it's really a question of defining those user needs. And one thing, as you mentioned, Jeff, in the in labs methodology, we talk about the balanced team of being design as well as product management, as well as engineering. In our platform team, we would love to also have designers in there. And designers are typically the ones that would lead the um, kind of user research and creation of personas and really helping to define that user-centered design. When we have platform teams, typically our customers, it's, it's a hard ask for our customers to provide a product manager generally. Mm -hmm. It's even a harder ask to ask them to provide a designer. So typically what we would do is have the product manager take that role as well. So for example, when, when the PCFS team would show up on a customer, we would bring our product manager, we would pair with the customer's product manager, and then together we would go and interview user, like you interview the application developers, understand which application is gonna land on the platform first, figure out what the requirements are and then build the platform that meets those needs. And then we iterate. So we're, we're not looking to just get one application landing on the platform. We want all the applications on there, but we start with one and then we get feedback and then we add the next one and get feedback. And it's that iterative cycle that makes sure that you're building the right thing. Not that you spend six months building a platform, announce it to the application developers da -da, and then find it doesn't meet anyone's needs. Yeah, I think it's like I could I could imagine how someone would go down the path of well, if we want all the applications, then 
we've got to understand what all the requirements are. And then it's like, oh, well, there's just so many requirements. Maybe we should find the least common denominators. And then you end up with the least common denominators that are not enough for anyone to use. Exactly. I mean, we have this, this talk track within our team where we say going into production is not a binary state. It's a continuum. So we think about you identify the first workload and you build that minimum viable platform that has everything that it needs. So maybe it only needs integration into one database, for example, or maybe it doesn't for that one application, maybe it doesn't need user authentication. Like you, you choose an app and you, you create just enough of a platform that means that application can go all the way through to production. And that's kind of step one. And we think about it as uh, circles, which is funny because I'm, I'm signing what the circles look like and now yeah. I can see what my sign language <laughs> is showing. But um, you'd start with your core and it, the, the application lands and that's kind of production. But that doesn't mean it's finished. It means that you've now got the next ring of kind of requirements needed for the next 50 applications. So you work out what the next workloads are, you figure out what those requirements are and you add those features to the platform. And then those 50 applications can go live. And it's, the, it's sort of these building circles of you add more and more features but you add them into the roadmap and you prioritize them. And as more features get added, more workloads can land on the platform. But you start small and then you iterate. So now you mentioned that it's basically impossible to get a designer. And so the product manager has to um, often wear that hat. Now, is that, is it something that, it doesn't seem to me like there's that many product managers kind of, lying around inside a lot of enterprises, particularly working on infrastructure software um, that you can sort of, oh yeah, that person, right? So I, I imagine that the folks who end up as the product manager for this kind of internal platform had a very different job before. Uh, so where do, what kind of background do they end up usually having? Like the folks who end up being down the road successful product managers for this app platform? It depends, I guess is the standard answer. Um, typically we see very, some very technical product managers who might come from an infrastructure background or possibly they've been a, a sysadmin before and they would be people who are very much embedded in the team but very technical alongside their team. We've also seen customers who have pulled in people with a project management background. That's a fairly typical pattern that we see. And those people, again, will come in and be part of that platform team all day, every day, and might not be as technically kind of skilled on the platform itself, but have the ability to be able to seek the user requirements to run that um, iteration process to get the feedback who then develop their technical skills along, along the way, but are coming from a, a completely different background. I mean, we've also seen a kind of an anti-pattern, I guess, as we've seen some, some cases where we have customers who bring in external contractors, because as you say, product management skills within platform teams are hard to come by. So we've seen customers go externally as well, which is fine, but um, 
our encouragement is always to try to grow those skills in-house. And it's something that we would like to help with as well. So, so Pivotal does offer product management training as, a, as an option. So um, it's something that we're really, really keen to help customers with. It's so critical. We see the customers who are the most successful are those that have their own dedicated team with their own dedicated product manager. And those are the ones that are able to prioritize, able to meet users' needs, able to release features quickly. I mean, those are the most successful patterns we see. Kind of coming back to that like journey or progression of folks who are coming along. So, you know, starting by you got to go talk to those developers, right? You got to interview them and that's, you know, work through your fears, wherever they may be coming from. Do you find like that the fear around like, is it that they're afraid this is going to be a waste of their time? Are they just afraid of like having to sit there and have a conversation? Like, I don't know if, is it even, is it fear really at all? Or I'm just curious if you've been able to sort of figure out like, this is sort of the, the psychological landscape of what's going on when you tell a team of, you know, would-be platform engineers, guess what? Today we're going to go talk to some developers, your customers. It's really, it's really funny. I, I attended a, a pre-platform dojo workshop with a customer so so when my team gets involved we we do platform dojos which essentially is just our name for how we enable customers it's a the name of our engagement but i attended a pre-dojo workshop with a customer where we we really went deep with the platform team they had already identified their team we went deep with them on this is what we mean when we say platform as a product this is what it means to understand user requirements and build the right thing and we did a full day workshop and at the end of the workshop we did a retrospective which we love to do at Pivotal we love retros so we did a retrospective and one of the platform engineers gave feedback that said it all sounded very nice but it also sounded like a lot of marketing nonsense and it would never happen in real life which was really surprising um, because somehow that person didn't believe us when we said, no, 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 we're actually going to talk to some application developers and we're actually going to understand their needs. I think it's, it's maybe not fear, it's more just what people are used to, let's say. They're more used to having ticketing systems. They're more used to maybe an application developer requests an environment and then it goes into a queue and then the platform team might pick up that ticket and then might work on it. it it's somehow habit i guess more than actually fear um but what was really funny and that's with that same customer we then followed up with the start of the engagement and we did uh, an inception meeting and for, for us we have a very um clear process for what we want a, an inception to look like it's typically one to two days and we ask for the customer to really bring a lot of people together and often it's a, it's a chance for all different teams within a customer to come together where maybe they have never even been in the same room before. So typically we would ask for the platform team to be present, platform owner. So the platform team, which includes product manager, mm -hmm. we would also ask for the platform owner to be present. So some senior stakeholders to come along. And we would also ask for somebody from security, maybe somebody from compliance and representatives from whichever application has been identified as the first app 
to land, we want someone from the application team to be in the room. So an inception meeting could have 15 to 20 people all together. But in that inception, one of the things we'll go through is kind of a roadmap. So we'll say, how long does it take now from the application team having an idea to getting the idea into production? Let's map out the whole journey and let's work out all of the steps. And then let's work out if you're using Pivotal Cloud Foundry, how many of those steps get taken away? How many of them get shortened? How many of them get automated? And for an MVP, how many steps does the application team care about? And it was a really interesting exercise. We did this exercise with this customer and the platform team went first and they wrote down all the steps to go from like code getting sent to them to it going live in production, wrote down all the steps. And then the application team came along and said, well, these are the ones we actually care about. And they just pulled down just a few of the post-it notes. So a few <laughs> of the things under the lines were like, well, which ones do you really care about? And it turned out that the platform team traditionally would do a whole heap of kind of work that took a lot of time that wasn't delivering any value to the application team. And I think after that inception, you could suddenly see that for the platform team, there was a kind of something resonated with them that made them think there might actually be some value in talking to the application team after all, because it could cut out a whole lot of work that they were actually having to do that they didn't need to do to be able to deliver a kind of a sandbox play environment for the app developers to start testing immediately and giving feedback. Hmm. So in order to get the light bulb to go off, you have to first get them in the same room. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what happened in that one case. Yeah. Uh, I would hope that when, when we're talking to our customers, we can try to articulate it in a way that, the customer understands the value but sometimes seeing is believing honestly mm -hmm. so i think for for those folks who are thinking about or who are in a platform team or might be selected to form a platform team it might seem daunting to think everything's going to be different but it's also liberating to think that just by understanding what minimum platform looks like it could reduce hours of toil hours of wasted effort that isn't actually delivering any value and it allows the platform team to be more productive which then allows the application teams to be productive quicker which being a virtuous circle everybody goes faster and it's a win-win for everybody okay so allowing the platform team to go faster since that, that's the team that kind of has to make this shift into the mindset. So after something like an inception, what happens next? What, what starts to change? And what, what do you think folks um, should be trying to do at that stage? And what might be some anti-patterns at that stage? I think one, one good pattern that we've really seen is when platform team gets into the habit of seeking feedback and it's a it's again it's a hard mindset to to shift into but we've seen customers who have really been able to accelerate their um kind of standing up of the platform scaling of the platform because what they're doing is every week they might be running a lunch and learn for stakeholders 
or they might be running a demo for app teams. And it's about being able to show a wide audience the capabilities of the platform that they've built as quickly as they can. So it's about getting as fast feedback as possible. And by doing these regular, like I say, lunch and learns or brown bag sessions or demonstrations of the platform, they get immediate feedback and they have the added, added benefit of building some excitement internally. So by publicizing the work that they're doing and by being able to deploy things quickly, ask for feedback, make changes quickly, they, they build up that internal desire for the application teams, hopefully, to want to get on that platform as fast as they possibly can. So it's a really good pattern that we've seen that once a customer engagement starts, we will try to encourage that almost from the first week. Let's build a thing and let's show people by the end of the first week, what have we built? What does it look like? Let's get some feedback. And then putting that pattern in place so that it continuously happens and is just normal behavior is a way that the, like I say, the platform team can learn quickly and make changes quickly. I think what we would consider an anti-pattern is the customer maybe starts off well, goes and asks for requirements, but then starts building and doesn't show anybody anything. So delaying that feedback is, is really an anti-pattern, I would say. Mm. Okay. Is there any role of data and how that, that reflects how the developers are actually using the platform? Because we know at times people think they know what they want, but don't necessarily know what they want. Is there, does data play a role there? Potentially. I think it's going to depend on, on, on the applications themselves and the developers and what they're looking for. Uh, quite often when a new technology is coming in like Pivotal Cloud Foundry, the application teams, a lot of them won't know what those capabilities are. So the starting point when we do demos, for example, is we have to show the capabilities of the platform so that the app developers know what they could change. Um, another thing that we try and do on the education, flipping hats for a second and putting my education hat on, uh, on the education side, we have a couple of trainings which are more focused for application developers. So we have the Platform Acceleration Lab is an offering that we have. And it's about training developers how to build cloud native applications. And then we have a, a three week course, which is about training application architects and more senior application developers on maybe how to refactor applications and how to migrate applications. So it could be the case that we need to give some education to those application teams because they don't know what the platform capabilities are and maybe don't know what, as you said, maybe they don't know what they're asking for necessarily because they don't fully understand what new capabilities are available to them. So at the same time as the platform team is going to ask those developers, what do they do now? What tools do they need? What services do they need, etc.? There is a corresponding education that needs to happen for those app teams that teaches them what the platform can do that might teach them more around how to build cloud native applications depending on where that customer is coming from and where those app teams are 
But if they aren't used to building, you know, if they're not used to kind of 12 factor applications, if they're not considering some of the things we think about for cloud native applications, there's a corresponding amount of education that should happen for those app teams as well. Back to the kind of good patterns um, and what you said about getting feedback, the, and you sort of address this in your answer, because my question is like, okay, well, what does that look like? How do you get that feedback? I mean, my first instinct is like, you know, I think about, can we get your feedback? I think of like a survey, you know, and it's like, which can be useful for certain things, but, you know, seems like that's not the full breadth of feedback uh, exercises that you can do. And you mentioned like, okay, well doing like a brown bag lunch and learn or a workshop or just a demo. Um, these are also ways of getting feedback. And I think like broadening the kind of uh, sort of your, your mental vocabulary around ways that I get feedback is part of the solution. I mean, I, for me, I, I wouldn't have thought of those things, but it makes sense when you explain it. Now, if you're in a kind of an organization that's like not used to lunch and learns and internal workshops and internal demos, you know, how do you recommend folks get started with, you know, Hey, this we're starting this week. We want to, we want to give a demo by the end of the week. Um, how do they do that in a low friction way to, does it matter how many people they give that demo to if they're able to just grab a handful of folks or what do you, what should they do to kind of start that process? I think a key starting point is identifying the stakeholders. So one of the exercises we would do in an inception meeting is we, we would figure out the stakeholders, but we group them. So we'd have people who are core. So that would be the platform team, product owner, product manager. Then we have interested. So people who should be involved in lots and lots of the meetings, but are not part of the core. And then we might have informed stakeholders. So people who are not paying that much of close attention, but could be somebody from finance who's paying for the, for the work or could be somebody from compliance who just needs to keep an eye. And there's something again about starting small and then iterating. So if you're a company that doesn't have a strong practice of internal demos, internal lunch and learns for the platform team, when they're getting started, as a minimum, they need to figure out who the key stakeholders are and have those folks attending at least a demo once a week. And if there's an opportunity to record that and share it more broadly, that's a good start. If there's a way of inviting other people to attend remotely, so using Zoom or Skype or you know WebEx, whatever the, the tool of choice is, then that's a good place to start. I think it's, it could be daunting to think, I need to demo this. I need to get the whole company to show up in a room at lunchtime and yeah, come and have yeah. a look. Um, again, we're all about starting small. So it's finding that, that low friction way, whether it's a dial-in, whether it's just a small group of stakeholders to begin with. Um, and then another way to think about most, most internal teams hopefully would be having some regular like stand-ups for themselves, for the teams. Maybe there's an internal all hands. If you can't get people to come to your scheduled meeting, 
trying to figure out if you can get a quick slot on other people's regular meetings. Asking for a 15-minute slot on a company all hands or a company town hall or a regional meeting, whatever the, the company schedule is, to be able to then just go and show up and do a quick demo could be another way to start that process. All right. Well, I, I could keep going in terms of pulling the thread on the like, and then what happens? And then what happens? Um, but I know that, you know, this, uh, this can't be the never ending podcast. Um, where do you recommend folks go to kind of just learn more about it? Obviously engaging your team in this process is hugely helpful. And I've heard from many, many customers that, you know, attribute their success to we did that dojo, right? We did the platform dojo. We wouldn't have been able to get this off the ground if we hadn't done that. Um, so it's a huge testimony to, to what your team does, but you know, folks who are kind of just listeners and want to learn, want to think about applying this stuff, where do you recommend that they go to learn more, any particular resources or any kind of just general resources? How can they follow you? Well, that's a great question. So in terms of resources on our Pivotal website, we have a white paper that was co-authored by one of my colleagues in the US, Joe Fitzgerald, mm. and uh, Colin Humphreys, who's based here in London, who's in the R&D team. So they co-authored a white paper, which actually is called Platform as a Product. So I would recommend downloading that as a great resource just to, to have a read through. There's, as you mentioned at the start, there's a talk I did at Cloud Foundry Summit last year, which is also available on YouTube, which talks quite high level again. It's not very detailed technically, but it talks about some of the things I've mentioned today about how to treat the platform as a product, what the team should look like, some of the step-by-step -step practices that that team should have in place. Um, definitely, if customers are ready to go all in and have a engagement with Pivotal, they should engage my team or my colleagues around the globe because doing a dojo is uh, a great way to get started for sure. People can follow me on Twitter if they feel like. My Twitter handle is Paula L. Kennedy or one word. That's probably the best ways. Okay. Well, that's, I think, a good good set of stuff to get started with. You got reading and watching and uh, tweeting in there. So you've covered, you know, like the holy trifecta. So thank you so much. This has been great. I really, I learned a lot about thinking on that, that feedback process in particular and um, putting that in perspective of, of how important that is in the overall journey to becoming a, you know, a product oriented team within your, your kind of platform practice. So thank you and looking forward to hopefully seeing you again soon. Thanks, Domain. Thanks, Jeff.